Hello, hello, and welcome to Food Network Obsessed. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and I'm so excited today because this episode is the first ever Food Network Obsessed Snack Break. Snack Breaks are shorter episodes where we'll dive into a food-focused topic that's on everyone's minds. Since it is 4th of July weekend and everyone is getting ready for their 4th of July parties and get-togethers, we decided to make today's snack break a little Q&A session about just that. So on my Instagram and Facebook pages, I asked all of you to send me your food-related questions tied to 4th of July and summertime. And let me tell you, you guys sent in some amazing questions. I cannot wait to dive into them. And I'm going to be asking and answering your questions with Ginevra Iverson. So Ginevra is the director of Food Network's Culinary Test Kitchen. She has a ton of culinary knowledge and expertise. So I'm very pumped to have her on with me today to answer your questions. But before we get started, I did want to say if there's something you'd like to hear about in the next Snack Break episode, please leave a comment in the podcast reviews. You can also DM me at Jamie Sire and at Food Network on Instagram We always love hearing from you. But for now, let's get to today's Food Network Obsessed Snack Break. Ginevra, welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to have you on answering some of our fan questions this week on Food Network Obsessed. So welcome. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you are the director of Food Network's Culinary Test Kitchen. So for people that don't know what that means, like take us through kind of a day in the life of you. (laughs) Great. So it involves a lot of eating and uh, there's a team of us. We develop all the recipes for FN.com and FNK app, a lot of the recipes on the FNK app as well. And so, yeah, I direct the whole team that does the development process. Everyone that works with us is fabulous and so talented in their own right. So it's a great, joyful job of getting to taste delicious food all day long. Since the pandemic, we've all been separated, which has been heartbreaking. We all miss each other dearly, but we've been developing from home and continuing to create a ton of content from our home kitchens. It's been great and very productive but also there are a ton of dishes. I guess. (laughs) That's the one downfall. I can can attest to that just uh, on my, you know, a couple of Food Network kitchen live classes a month. Like I have to do all the dishes afterwards and I have to do all the food styling. So I have great respect for everybody that you just mentioned that is on your team and and you clearly have a lot of fun um, with your job. It's, It's something different every day. And most importantly, you have a lot of culinary knowledge. So I'm very excited to lean on you for some of these 4th of July questions, which I kind of put out to, uh, my fans on Instagram and Food Network kind of helped source some as well. So we picked out a few. There were so many. We, of course, couldn't get to all of them. We obviously got a lot of grilling questions, which makes sense for Fourth of July. So let's start with that. Our first question comes from Kevin Lewis, who wants to know, should I buy a smoker to add to my grill collection, which already includes a combination gas and charcoal grill? So my opinion on this is, I mean, I maybe have a grill problem. I think I have most every tip. <laughs> Every kind of grill there is. That's a good um, problem to have, I feel like. It, it is. It's a good it's a good problem to have. Um, and it's fun because you get to you know pick from a lineup. But if we want to just go through quickly through the different grills and their advantages. Mm-hmm. 
I love a, a smoker also kind of referred to as a pellet grill. Brands such as Traeger make these. They are fabulous because you can smoke meats, you can slow cook meats. They impart great flavor. They're often digital and the temperature is really, really easy to maintain. They're easy to start. So you can slow cook a brisket for a really long time and not have to constantly watch the temperature and um, tend to it. So those are great. I would totally encourage if if you like to smoke food, I think they're a great thing to have. You can also go with like Komodo style style grill, which is often people have off the mm-hmm. green egg is a common one that you can smoke in. But that is really versatile because you can also grill like direct heat on top on the grill grates. If if you're going to be doing both things and you want one grill, I would probably say that one of the Komodo style grills would be good for you. And then, of course, we can go into propane or gas grills. Couldn't be easier. You turn it on. You don't have to worry about it. It takes very little maintenance. Good for if you're constantly cooking for a crowd or you do weeknight cooking, you just want to like turn it on, call it a day. I love a gas grill for those reasons. The other two that I really love are charcoal grill. I love it. You definitely have a grill problem. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. I, I, I love a charcoal grill. I think they give great flavor. You can get it rip roaring hot, hotter than a lot of other than the other ones we kind of talked about. They can really sear a steak beautifully. You get great caramelization on the outside of whatever you're grilling. I would definitely, and also the entry point as far as what you're going to be paying can be a lot less Mm -hmm. with a charcoal grill. So if you're just starting out and you're interested in, you know, not spending too much money, I feel like something like a Weber kettle grill is always great. And then finally, just a lot of people have been doing wood-fired grills right now Mm -hmm. and fire pit cooking. There's a lot of setups for that. Live fire cooking is really fun, but it's time consuming. Yes. So those, that's my. That's, so your, so your answer is all of them. Yes, all of them. <laughs> all of them. They all have their benefits. They all have their they benefits. I, <laughs> Come to my backyard and you can try all of them. <laughs> I do like that the the Komodo style ones, um, like you said, that they have the smoking abilities and the grill abilities. My friend Brian actually has one, and he also bought an attachment that. I think it's called a Smobot or something, um, which basically, you know, it, it kind of brings that automatic, that digital tracking into it. So you don't have to watch it as much. So you kind of get the benefits of all those things. I guess you could you could go at, you know, row, go alone if, if you if you didn't want to use that. But it also kind of transforms it a little bit, which makes it a little bit less stressful for whoever is in charge of the smoking or the grilling on that particular day. All right, let's see what we have next. Uh, Super Kelly Fragilistic wants to know what's a grill hack or trick that every home cook or griller should have in their back pocket? So I don't know if this is a hack or a trick, but the one thing I notice whenever I'm with people that aren't uh, that don't grill a lot is the idea of using your coals and using indirect and direct cooking. So banking coals to one side. This is specifically really with mm. charcoal or, or wood cooking, making zones. And you can do it with propane just like by heating, you know, a couple burners full heat and maybe one is on low. By zone cooking, you can really manage your food. You can sear really well and then you can take it to a cooler area where it's not going to flare up whatever you're cooking and finish it to the right temperature. That is one thing that once you kind of master that, it makes all of your grilling problems, kind of solves all your grilling problems. You don't end up getting things that are burnt on the outside, raw on the inside, and you're just able to manage flare-ups and it becomes much less stressful when cooking, you know, over live what, fire. What's an example of like a, a dish that that often calls for, you know, like the, you know, starting on direct heat and maybe moving to indirect heat, you know, halfway through cooking? 
a million of our recipes call for indirect and direct cooking. Something like a steak Mm -hmm. where as you sear it and the fat starts to render and starts to drip, you want to take it over to more of an indirect side so that it doesn't flare up because that's that it gets that sort of gasoline flavor if it just sits there and flares, you know, it flares up over over the coals. So anything that has a fair amount of fat that's and is thick enough that needs some time to cook, you're going to want to do direct cooking to start usually and then finish it on indirect side of the grill. By the way, I'm I'm super jealous of your your grill problem because I live in an apartment building. We do have a, a grill on the roof, but it is propane. So I uh, I live vicariously yeah. <laughs> through all my friends that have, you know, all of the fancy grill setups. So someday I will also have a grill problem. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> it's like once you get started, <laughs> you can convince yourself, you know, that you absolutely need one of absolutely. everything pretty quickly. Yeah. All right. Carlin Edelman wants to know, do you have a favorite type of charcoal to use when grilling? So yes, I do. Uh, I like lump hardwood charcoal in general. I think that, I mean, I love mesquite, but what you can typically find the easiest is just something that's called lump hardwood charcoal. It's not the briquettes. It's not the little squares. It comes, it's very irregular in size, but it gets very, very hot. It lights easily. And then what I do do sometimes if it's going to be, if I'm going to be cooking something for a long amount of time, I'll mix in briquettes. So you get hot, like a good high temperature, but then it's also sustained cooking time. The one thing I would say that I absolutely never use is match light briquettes or lighter fluid. What I use is what they call a chimney. You put charcoal in the top of a sort of a metal cylinder, put newspaper underneath, it lights within a few minutes, and then you don't have to get that flavor of lighter fluid in your food. Yeah, I was going to ask, the, the reason for that is that that chemical taste that kind of you can't get rid of, right? Exactly. They say it burns off, but I feel like if you don't need to use it, why? Yes. <laughs> why use it in the first place? So it's just one less thing that flavors your food. All right. Well, we still have more grilling questions, but these are kind of more focused on, on different you know meats and proteins. So Maxwell Pearson wants to know, how do you get smoky flavor in your meat using a grill and not a smoker? So charcoal will always impart that smoky flavor, which is great. You can buy chips, applewood chips, cherrywood chips, Weber. I mean, any any company sort of makes these bags. They're usually about five pounds, I believe. And they're just filled with wood chips. You soak them for a little bit. You light them on fire. You can put them in a propane mm. grill to give it some flavor. The other option is cooking things on cedar planks. They're really readily available. They're rectangular planks that are maybe like a quarter inch thick, half in, not even a half inch thick, probably a quarter inch thick. You soak those. You can put food on them and then put them on the direct heat. They sort of will toast around the side and impart a really nice flavor. And then finally, like if you happen to have a lot of space or fruit trees or clippings from anything, sometimes I'll just put fruit wood on the charcoal Mm. and that'll give an extra added flavor to whatever I'm cooking. Does it actually have like kind of the the fruit qualities of whatever tree that is? I mean, I don't find that to be that specific, but it does give a nice sort of sweeter smoke as to something that like mesquite wood, where it's going to be like a heartier mm-hmm. smoke that's sort of, it's stronger. The fruit wood just gives a nice light okay. smoke. That's a, that's a great tip. Yeah. The great Dadu wants to know what is the best thing you have done or added to make a burger or hot dog shine? I mean, that is a tough one because there's, there's so, so many, many versions, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, what's anyone's, everyone has their own favorite. The few rules I stick to with burgers, whenever it's a beef burger, I lean towards an 80-20 mm-hmm. blend so that there's plenty of fat in there. A lot of it renders out, but it keeps it really moist and delicious. Another fun thing to do is to sort of make your own blend of burger meat. So you can take 
beef and ground lamb and make it 50-50 or whatever percentage you want to use, however much you like lamb. Oftentimes people sort of shy away from lamb. So it's a nice way to have a lamb burger that's not overly mm-hmm. lamby. Mix those two meats together. You could put chorizo in there. I, you know, I think there's just a lot of different options. There's the juicy love loose juicy stuffed loose inside the yes. burger. Yes. I love, I think that's a great, that's definitely a great tip for, for grilling. I actually just did some the other day. I think it's great because, you know, the cheese obviously like is in the middle of the burger instead of being on top. And it stays very, you know, hot and melty. Like even if you've pulled the burgers off and letting them rest or people are kind of, you know, gathering and and making their plates and then they still bite into this delicious, like melty molten center of cheese and and burger. And it's just, it's very delightful. I highly recommend. But yeah, I I agree with you on that. And I I definitely don't use my my meat grinder enough. I have a, you know, attachment for my stand mixer and I've done some burger blends before, but now I feel like I'm I'm feeling inspired to to do that because it is a lot of fun. You can kind of mix and match. I think I put bacon in there once to, you know, add a little bit of fat in there and also obviously the flavor, but it's, it is a lot of fun. And then you kind of feel like this little scientist or something. <laughs> exactly. And you can, like you could get, uh, you know, one short rib and maybe you have like a leftover piece of brisket or something, you know, raw. So people are clear that, you know, you, you can, um, you can grind different cuts and just see what you end up liking the best. It's, it's really, yeah, it's fun and rewarding. It is. Be your own it butcher. It is. Yeah, be your own butcher. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't, yeah. you know, the, the attachments yeah. don't cost a, a whole lot. So it, it is a no. great option if, if you want to maybe kind of like delve into that at home. Let's talk about fish because that's also a great option for the grill. Jeff wants to know what's the best fish to use on the grill? I mean, anything I think that's firm fish that's not too thin is typically great. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like to always leave the skin on and clean the grill grates really, really well, oil them. You want to dry the skin really, really well with a paper towel before you put it on there and oil it lightly so it doesn't stick. And you can just grill it right on the grates. I love grilling a whole fish. Gets really nice and crispy on the outside. You can put them on cedar planks. I think we talked about that before, but those cedar planks are also great for just not like low maintenance. You put your fish on the plank, you throw it on the grill, and then you don't have to worry about sticking or moving or flare-ups or whatever. And it gets wonderful flavor while staying super moist and not tearing the skin. And then grill baskets Mm. you can also use. I think... I'm not a huge fan of a ton of tools, but a well-placed <laughs> grill basket is always helpful for certain foods. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I like the I like the skid on uh, recommendation. I think we did halibut tacos a, a couple weeks ago, and you know what the best thing is too. I don't know if anybody. I think I was the only one doing this, but you know the the skin kind of got super crispy, and I you know I peeled it off the grill, and I was just like using that as like a cracker. I loved it. It's so yep. good. Exactly, <laughs> and that and salmon yes, skin too. Yes. Obviously, people love salmon skin, like so and um, but it's delicious. Just it really is. Crisps up beautifully. It's so good. Yeah. Vegetarian friends, don't worry. We have not forgotten about you. Ginevra and I are going to be answering your fruit and veggie focused questions when we come back. Well, we don't want to leave, you know, the vegetarians out. So we have some veggie questions as well. DW Toodles wants to know, do you have a favorite summertime vegetarian main dish? I don't have one particular. I really, it varies depending on the meal and what we're doing. I definitely love a good veggie burger. So that is a go-to if it's going to be like burgers and hot dogs and that sort of party. 
But we have, there's a, on site, we have a really nice, like a grilled cabbage sort of dish that can definitely be served as a main. It has a delicious dressing over the top. It's Savoy cabbage that even though we often associate cabbage with winter, I feel like this one is really fresh and bright, lots of lime juice Mm. and it's delicious. And then we just also made paneer tikka kebabs and they're, yeah, they're really great. They're on on a kebab, on a skewer and they're grilled until they're really nice and molten and crisp and they're just absolutely delicious. So that's a fun one that just sort of mixes, you know, mixes it up from the regular burger, hot dog, Mm -hmm. (laughs) fair and throws a little spice in there. Uh, Mandy Marks wants to know what is the best vegetable or fruit to grill? I mean, again, this anything can be grilled. I think as far as fruit goes, grilled fruit's delicious. You want to pick anything that's still firm when it's ripe. So something like stone fruit, you don't want anything that's really, really soft mm. that's going to either or small that's going to fall through the grill grades or that you're going to, you know, you don't want to grill a raspberry, obviously. <laughs> it's just going to end up in the fire. But stone fruit is delicious. Pineapple is awesome. Caramelizes really beautifully and you can have nice big planks of it that you can grill and then chop up afterwards. The one thing I would say with fruit is that you want to clean your grill grates really, really well. So there's not any leftover like barbecue sauce on there before you cook fruit because you don't want that savory flavor in with your fruit and then oil it really well before you grill. And as far as veggies go, I mean, I love the summertime eggplant, like little baby eggplants, you split them in half, kind of cross hatch them and grill them. So they're really caramelized and then still really creamy on the inside. But really at the end of the day, I think with grilled vegetables, sometimes they get a bad rap, but you just want to cook them long Mm -hmm. enough and not too hot because there's often the problem where they're burnt on the outside, but still really raw and crunchy. So just making sure that you get some caramelization, but they're also like cooked through and get to steam. And, and sort of get tender on yeah, that. Yeah, I, I second the uh, the stone fruit uh, suggestion. I love grilled peaches along with grilled pork chops or, you know, uh, as a dessert, like drizzled with some honey or maybe some ice cream as well. And pineapple, I think, is awesome to turn into like a salsa afterwards that can go with your, you know, your grilled fish if you're doing, you know, maybe fish tacos exactly, or something your tacos. like that. Kay Benziger says that my summer garden is producing many zucchinis daily. Any great recipes or is there a way to freeze for future use? I don't know about freezing. You don't want to ever freeze anything long-term that isn't Mm. cooked vegetable-wise because it starts to break down too quickly in the freezer. But some of my favorite things, I love just like a zucchini carpaccio. You can just slice it really thin. I don't, a lot of people don't eat zucchini raw, but I think when it's fresh and straight from the garden, thinly sliced, great olive oil, Parmesan cheese, fresh herbs, mm. maybe some chopped anchovies or capers so over the top. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's like a really fresh. easy way to eat it. And if you have leftovers, it marinates beautifully. You can have it the next day. I think that's a always a win. And then um, zucchini fries were always mm. good. Baked zucchini fries with Parmesan on the outside. You bake them good for kids, good for everybody. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't like a fry? Yes. And then of course we use it for noodles mm. and zoodles. And we've also used it as a lasagna, almost like a lasagna uh-huh. sheet. So you can do rollatinis, you can stuff it with things, top it with sauce and cheese. And uh, we have a recipe on online for zucchini enchilada and just you just use a peeler you can use a peeler to make long noodles and then wrap it around really whatever you want but it's that all sounds so good i also love a zucchini like corn fritter i think is great for the season um i just did actually a food network kitchen class like with zucchini bites so you can kind of hollow them out and like stuff them 
with, you know, whatever you ha- happen to have on, on hand, I think zucchini is definitely very versatile. So I think I think you got a lot of options. Just just check out foodnetwork.com or the Food Network Kitchen app. I'm sure there's plenty of zucchini recipes to uh, round out your 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 bounty from your garden. And we are also going to link to all the recipes that Ginevra is describing in um, the description for this episode. So if any of these sound right up your alley, definitely check out those links so you can easily access them. And to wrap things up, we have just a couple more questions. The Spartan fan 0899 wants to know what is your favorite food to make on the 4th of July? So you have a lot of different directions you could go with this one. Yeah, for me, this was this is like an overwhelming question. <laughs> I mean, there's a million things I want to make. I'm not a favorites per- person. I can never really figure out what my favorite thing is. <laughs> but the, the one thing that I do do when I'm entertaining for a group is figure out a theme and then from there, figure out what I can make ahead. So make as many things as you can ahead and put them in the fridge, pull them out, you know, right when you're going to be serving. But as far as an entree goes, I like to do something that's large format that's easy to sort of smoke, roast, roast in the oven, whatever it is that you can sort of set and forget and come back to it when a couple hours is up and serve it either warm or at room temperature so they can sit for a little bit. I just never love babysitting Mm. the food constantly while you're entertaining. So things like pulled pork, it's great. Do a pork shoulder or pork butt, something like a porchetta where you stuff it the night before and you throw it in the oven, sits roasts for six hours and you serve it when it's done. Same thing with brisket. I find burgers and hot dogs are fun, but you really have to man the grill constantly, Mm. like flipping burgers as people come and making sure everything's you know, not burning. So just things that are large and easy to serve. It's kind of my sweet spot for, for entertaining. Love a theme for sure. I think that is a great option because it kind of helps spark some of that creativity as well. Finally, from ESKG18, what's the best icebox recipe for hot summer days? We have an entire icebox package online Ooh, that you can there also you go. <laughs> look, that we'll put, we'll drop in a link as well. And it's an assortment of all different kinds of iceboxes, large format ones and individual ones. I love an icebox cake. I think they're easy to build. They're nice and cold for hot summer days. They can be super beautiful with fruits, fresh fruits, peaches, berries. So look at that. You can click through to that to our website and pick one of many. (laughs) They're all delicious. (laughs) So many more questions that we did not get to, but we cannot get to them all. So apologies if we did not get to yours. Ginevra, thank you so much for taking the time to answer some of these pressing 4th of July questions. We do have one last question that we ask all of our guests here on Food Network Obsessed. And we usually say, what is your perfect food day? But since this is a 4th of July themed episode, what is your perfect 4th of July food day? So breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. I'm putting you on the spot, so I apologize in advance. What is your perfect 4th of July food day look like? All right. So I'm just going to I'm going to go kind of be inspired by what's happening this year because finally after this year my entire family Yay. is together. We're all going to be in one house <laughs> cooking the entire day, probably. And so the morning's always something light. I'm a big fan of just plain yogurt, mm-hmm. granola, fruit. So that will probably be the morning. And then we usually do something like late lunch, early dinner. Mm-hmm. My brother is has, especially over the pandemic, become a master pizza maker. Ooh. So we have a wood-fired pizza. He's going to be doing pizzas, which is a delight because I also don't have to cook them. <laughs> and then uh, we always will be doing a side of grilled salmon. And then my, my family's Italian. We'll be, my mom makes a 
delicious pesto. It's going to be pesto, probably sliced tomatoes from the oh. garden and um, just being together and some good wine. Yes. <laughs> that, that to me is a perfect day. So, yeah. I'm with you, Ginevra. I think that it is such a broad question, but I kind of, I like your idea of the theme. I like, you know, something where people can kind of build their own things, like maybe like a build your own taco bar. You can kind of do different proteins that kind of fit all the different dietary, you know, restrictions. So you could do some grilled fish as we kind of covered in this, maybe like a flank steak or something that can easily feed uh, a little bit more people. Um, And then you could also do, you know, some grilled veggies for the vegetarians in the crowd as well. I think some of that stuff can sit out a little bit longer and still be delicious. You can kind of char the tortillas on the grill. You could even make the salsa on the grill, as we mentioned, the, the pineapple salsa a little bit earlier. So, you know, if it's on the grill, you're outside with friends and family. It's it's going to be a good day. Thanks again for taking the time. Enjoy your 4th of July with your family. And thanks for talking to us on Food Network Obsessed. Thank you so much for having me. You guys, so many great questions. Of course, we could not get to all of them, but I hope you liked today's Q&A format and have a great time cooking this weekend for 4th of July festivities. We will link all of the recipes that Ginevra mentioned in the episode description, so be sure to check them out if something really spoke to you. As always, thanks so much for listening. Make sure you follow us wherever you listen to your podcast so you don't miss a thing. And if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to rate and review and let us know what you'd like to hear about on the next snack break. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday. 